it's going. <laughs> yeah, boy, it's July 14th, and it's episode 114, and this is a fantasy football auctioneer. I'm your host, Uncle Buckets. The Fantasy Football Auctioneer is the official podcast of the FantasyFootballAuction.com. The internet fantasy football auctions. Facebook.com backslash Fantasy Football Auctioneer. Or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Fantasy Auction. We've got a great show for you tonight. Tonight we're going to take a look at a few news items, take a look at some listener questions, and then we're going to work our way through some of our player rankings and our average auction values. But, of course, our experts, they're always here. Well, when I say they, I mean he's always here. It seems like Slim uh, never has anything better to do than do a podcast. I don't know. Mr. Blister is away on assignment. He's sipping Mai Tais, and he's playing the tables in Vegas, baby. Um, And he was all over uh, my phone tonight after we heard the news about the golf trip, but we can get into that in a a second because I actually have an idea that might be able to solve that. So, We'll move on to the actual intro, and uh, sorry. And I thought that he would still be reeling from the Johnny Manziel pick in round 17 of my Scott Fishbowl League. Uh, Slim, I was really worked up that there wasn't a comment. Uh, no, I was just I'm kind of bummed out that you're still drafting actually. And wow. once you see Clive Wolford um, go yeah. in the eighth round, uh. Nothing should be surprising. <laughs> I just took him in. I just took him in seventeen. Oh no, I'm Michael Michael Rivera. I took him seventeen. Yeah, that's all right. That's my, that's I, my number. I was going to say you didn't take him, did you? I just I took, took I just took Rivera took, as my number two. In I took 17. Rivera at uh, nineteen twelve. So you're oh, okay. you're overdrafting. So. <laughs> um, but no, I saw man, uh, old Johnny Football coming in round seventeen this morning when I when I checked my. My email, and I thought, round 17, Johnny Manziel? I mentioned to somebody uh, today in my course, I said, you follow football? He goes, yeah. I said, a guy in my league just went in round 17, 17, just said, Johnny Manziel just went in round 17. He goes, he still play for the Browns? I said, that's the point. You don't even know what team he plays for, and someone drafted him. He got in the 17th in my draft, too, actually, now that I look. Really? Yep. What's? Someone took him before they went 17.08. I took Matt Castle at 17.12. And then, like, Hoyer went in the 18th. I think Hoyer went in the 16th in ours. I, I don't understand it, but um, anyway. I was just was really surprised by that. So I'm thinking, even, let's say he ends up starting the second half of the season. Do you, is that the guy you're relying on? Like, do you really think that he's going to be the the high upside late round QB flyer, Brock Osweiler. Okay, I get I get that right. Take him, sure. Handcuff Peyton Manning, but who are you handcuffing? Josh McCown or? Well, I guess if McCown sucks, someone's got to be under center. But whatever. I mean, handoff. Is that how it works in this league? Well, you get some rushing points. Maybe Manziel gets his. Little mini legs roll in there and gets his Dante Culpepper roll on and just starts scrambling. Yeah, I heard his name on a podcast tonight when I was cutting the grass and made me reminisce when he went to that Vikings game. And Why was anybody all... talking about Dante Culpepper? 
because, oddly enough, he's in Vegas this coming weekend for the Fantasy Football uh, Symposium that's being held, the first first ever, the one with Matthew Barry and oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the other big wigs of the fantasy industry. So, yeah, he's going to be there. They had some pros there, ex-pros, and he was one of them. So, okay. Well, I was like, how are you talking? Who's talking about... Reminisced about baby hands. <laughs> but on a side note... Coolest yeah. thing ever that happened to me at a live sporting event, I caught a t-shirt that was shot out of a cannon. It was one of those like cannons from the cheerleaders with a oh, armful. Yeah. I had four, four beers in my hand. I was getting them from the beer <laughs> vendor, and that landed in my arms when I was paying the guy and holding all these beers. I didn't even know where it came from. It was just epic. That's, that's pretty cool. Everyone around our section just oh, lost their minds. Going crazy, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. No, it was <laughs> awesome. Of course, yeah, we were okay. had a few, so it was probably made us more excited than it should have. But whatever, it's still sweet. So, are you still drafting in the Scott Fishbowl? Just quick no. recap, or no? Hey, you're long no. done. It's been done for about a week. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's only been on a week, but it's well, over. It's been on more than a week. It's over. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to go through my team, or well, if you want to, I mean, if there, or if there's anything yeah. you want to discuss about I don't it, I need to go through all 22 people. I don't think, but um, no, uh, you know, RBs were a little thin. I, I, I kind of I went a little uh, wide receiver heavy at the start. It was kind of planned, so I'll have a little work cut out for me. My I got C.J. Anderson, uh, Shane Vereen, Legarrette Blount. Uh, Danny Woodhead, those are my four kind of main guys, and then I took a flyer on Alfred Blue in the 15th as a little yeah. Arian Foster, because you know I don't trust Arian Foster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I went with a little uh, C.J. Anderson handcuff with Ronnie Hillman in the 16th, and I got Kyrie Robinson in the 20th, or 22nd, which I kind of was happy about, just in case Mark Ingram somehow goes down, and that was about it. Um, you know, LeGarrette Blount, I was pretty stoked actually to get as the RB33. I just feel like in this format, he is going to have some monster games. Um, and there's going to be some games where he doesn't do much. I, I know that. But at that point, as the RB33, I was just looking for guys that could uh, put up RB1 weeks uh, for me at any given time, and I felt like he was right. one of them. Especially when I was thinking, you know, you get a quarter point to carry. I, I picture some of those games where New England's just beating the crap out of people, and he gets 40 carries because they just run the ball the whole second half. So I, I was pretty happy thinking about that. Um, and then a few PPR backs like Vereen and Woodhead I kind of wanted uh, just because I feel like they got a little bit of value. Obviously, it's a PPR league, so if I'm going to not take running backs early... I like to try and sprinkle in some of these PPR-type backs later. Uh, so, yeah, and I was pretty happy. I got Jason Witten in the 13th as the tight end 16, which I know he's not flashy, but in a redraft, oh, but, yeah, I sure. think he's a top-10 tight end. Uh, I could very well flex him a lot of weeks with Kelsey, um, with my, especially since my RBs are kind of thin, and be all right with that, so... All right, I just need Jordy Nelson's hip to flare up so that uh, Devontae <laughs> Adams can become a high-end wide receiver too. There you That'd go. Perfect. But anyway, well, how about I mean, you? I went in, well, I went in and I was 
I was going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver off the hop, and when AP falls to me at the 105, I was happy to go there and thinking that at least if I have, you know, let's say a top five running back, I can be a little bit soft at RB2. And so I just decided, yeah. you know, like we discussed last week, to do wide receiver heavy. And then I knew that I'd be light at that RB2. But in this league, you can play up to seven wide receivers. So, I mean, running backs didn't seem all that valuable to me, I guess. If, I mean, yeah, the half point or quarter point per carry and those types of things. But if uh, if it's a difference between getting, you know, uh, Danny Woodhead, let's say, or Julian Edelman, I think that I'm going to have more consistency at my flex or one of my flexes with Edelman rather than than Woodhead so I was I was all right with that so picking up after last week um I did I picked up Edelman I got Martavis Bryant I picked well I think I had him already last week uh Michael Floyd I've picked up uh I did Malcolm Floyd too and I got him fairly late and I mean he's solid in a PPR and especially if Gates is going to be out I was happy with that um I got Doug Baldwin and Terrence Williams. I mean, these are guys that you can float into that flex position. Um, but my running backs are a little on the iffy side. With AP there, that's good. But uh, Isaiah Crowell, they're going to run the ball lots there, so he should be an okay. Let's say he's a low-end RB2. That's okay because I'll have AP, which is a high-end RB1. Um, Trey Mason should at least get me through, hopefully, that first half of the season then maybe a guy like Charles Sims can give me the second half of the season. Um, I did pick up Denard Robinson after speaking with you. So um, that's where I am at RBs right now, but it's pretty thin. And my quarterbacks suck, for lack of a better term. But uh, Bortles and Geno Smith is what I have right now. But who knows, maybe something floats my way here. And Is there wavering this? Hey. No, eh? Hey? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and that was a that was a thing I considered too last year. I made a pretty deep run. Uh, I came out of my conf or my division, uh, so I was pretty pretty happy with those results. And I will say, I waited on QB last year. I I ended up getting Ben Roethlisberger fairly late, which worked out pretty well. He was, uh, you know, fairly consistent uh, top ten quarterback every mm-hmm. week. Um, but then after that. I played waivers a lot. I took, I know I had Charlie Whitehurst start for me a couple games. I had Zach Mettenberger when he took over the second half of the season for uh, Tennessee. Um, I know I had Kyle Orton starting for me for a stretch. Uh, and those weren't guys that I drafted. Uh, I know I took Manziel really late last year, hoping that he would get a chance, which never really happened. So it's not impossible. Everyone wants to take quarterbacks really early. Uh, and it's not impossible to pick guys up off waivers. In fact, yeah. I look at it where if I wait at QB and try to load up on skill position, I don't have to fight with everybody else for running backs and receivers if somehow they do emerge. I mean, let's face it, with 22 roster spots, there's a lot of – It's there, you got deep rosters. Right. It takes a really, really – obscure person to emerge that no one has but with QBs it happens a little more frequently um, so I can let people fight over these running backs and wide receivers and I ended up streaming or picking up a lot of tight ends and a lot of quarterbacks last year I don't know if that'll happen this year but I kind of that was part of my strategy where you know I thought 
I'm not going to stack my bench. Some guys took five quarterbacks and things, and I thought, no way. I, I would rather have uh, skill possession depth. Yeah, for sure. And, That's my and thought quarterback too. depth. I mean, yeah, if a quarterback goes down, I mean, if Andrew Luck goes down, nobody took the backup to the Colts. So, mm-hmm. and why would you? But if he does go down, guess what? He's out there then, and that means everybody has a chance at at, at him. Um, the backup running back on Indy, someone's going to draft him in 22 rounds. So, um, yeah, I, I, the odds of some of good skill position guys emerging on waivers is slim. So I figure load up on as many quality people there if you can. Yeah, and that was kind of my thought too. I know we we spoke about maybe picking up a third quarterback, but that's what I thought. I'd rather have a skilled guy and maybe work a waiver if need be, um, you know, and maybe the waiver ends up being better than the two guys that I that I draft anyways. So that's where I thought I could take, I'd rather take a Malcolm Floyd than John, Johnny Manziel, you know? Yeah. So, um, okay. So that's a little recap on the Scott Fishbowl. I just want to uh, throw it there too. I apologize for the lack of sound bites yet again. As you can see, if you're watching the YouTube video, I'm still sitting in a dorm room uh, away at the, a course this week as well. So um, I am drinking beer to hold the um, dorm room tradition, and I'm getting ready for our golf trip, uh, so I'm drinking uh, summer shandy. Actually, right now it's a grapefruit shandy. It's actually pretty nice. refreshing. Um, but on that man. note... <laughs> I'm drinking red wine because I want to class it up. Not <laughs> uh, well, because you don't have flowers in the background and all that type of stuff like he does. That's um, true. But on that note, uh, just saying that for the people in the uh, Brainerd area, um, shout out to you after the almost hurricane ripped through um, central Minnesota. Uh, wind forces in that of a Category 1 hurricane. The downside of that, not only for the people that live there, not to make light of that, but also our golf trip that's supposed to be planned for Monday is uh, put on hold. we got a little blisters working on things while he's in, in Vegas. Now, I will say I know there's some people from Minnesota that listen. If uh, any of you work at a golf course and can handle 14 guys uh, who like to drink a lot of beer uh, from Canada and talk fantasy football, if uh, anyone out there has uh, golf connections for Next week, we're looking to spend three nights and four rounds, uh, 14 boys. So just throw it out there, Slim. Hashtag How first world problems. <laughs> yeah, there's people uh, worrying more nature about nature. wrecked my golf trip. Yeah, uh, I can't uh, gamble and drink my <laughs> high-end beers away from my wife and kids. Uh, blew the roof off my house, but those poor to guys. for a nanny for another weekend. <laughs> I know, it's tough. It's a tough life. But I thought I'd just throw it out there because I know there are a lot of guys from Minnesota that listen. Four people in Haiti. (laughs) Wow, you have to bring Haiti into this? Yeah, well, I'm trying to rub it in here. (laughs) Rub it into Haiti or rub it into me? Country's still not rebuilt. Jeez. Anyway. Anyways, okay. Have a telephone. (laughs) All right, let's, um, uh, let's get it rolling into news, guys. So if you guys are ready, then I'm ready. Let's cock the hammer. It's time for action. All right, so uh, we're going to get into a little bit of news. Uh, so the first thing we'll do here is uh, fantasy football news, buy or sell. 
So the first item here and uh, the biggest item uh, for myself and I'm sure your brother Slim and uh, actually on that note I was talking to somebody who was in the gym and said, you know there was this tall guy in the gym and he's a Cowboys fan and, and, and I'm like, oh well, come on, we all know who that is. I said, is he a cop? Yeah, yeah. So uh, shout out to your brother there. Um, anyways, uh, the Des Bryant uh, possible hold, holdout here. So Des Bryant and Dallas Cowboys have until Wednesday to come to a long-term deal or they'll just shelf negotiations for the season. Um, so what's going to happen here if Bryant doesn't get his long-term money? Right now, Bryant is due uh, $12.82 million in 2015 if he signs his franchise tag and fi far more money if he um, extends this this uh, five-year... Well, sorry, uh, that's far more money than he made in his entire five-year career. Um, but he says he's willing to skip the entire regular season if uh, things don't get worked out. So um, he said that before, but now with this kind of deadline hanging over things, it maybe sounds a little bit more real. So some I'm going to ask you, buy or sell, do you need to drop Dez down your rankings because of this contract dispute? It is July, mind you. No, I'm going to sell that you have to drop them down. Um, I, I, obviously, it's something to monitor. Um, my sure. personal um, opinion is that come September, he won't miss any game time. Um, I shouldn't say that. I, I think there is actually a chance he does miss games. What From what I was reading, uh, and I don't have it in front of me, I wish I would have saved it to pull it up just so I'm not being inaccurate, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter or something like that. But if he if he misses the f more than uh, four, he can only miss four games. And if he misses more than that, then he does not get credited with a year's service in the NFL. So okay. then he does not become a free agent after this year. He goes back to whatever the last terms of his contract are. Um, so. Could he miss games? For sure, he could. Uh, he can only miss so many, though. Now, right now, I think you got to wait and see. Uh, obviously, if he's if this is still going on in preseason, it's something to consider. Um, I know I saw it on Twitter. He's Des has said that he's uh, not going to back down. And on you know what, personally, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy well, I that will. Necessarily wish back down. Right um, wish I could play music right now. Tom Petty fits right in there. So there. Anyways, sorry. Oh, I'd sing it, but that'd be horrific. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, right now, I th I don't think there's anything you can do. Um, I wouldn't be dropping him down the ranks yet. It'd be a, it's a it's kind of a crappy spot to be uh, if you're drafting. You know, this week. I mean, obviously tomorrow, we're, we're doing this on Tuesday night. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, July 15th is when a lot of things are going to be hashed out. All these deadlines for the Cowboys, for Des Bryant. I mean, if the Cowboys decide to work something out, they could sign him to a one-year deal and, uh, you know, he could play this year. I, I don't see them doing that, but... I mean, a lot of things are going to happen in the next 24 hours, and after that, then, you know, if things don't work out, I could see Dez missing a couple of games, for sure one. Um, and then, yeah, you might have to move him down a little bit. 
All right. Um, and I think right now the big thing is if you're drafting right now, and if you're drafting right now, you should be talking to your commissioner about drafting in early or mid-July because these are the types of things that are going to happen. But just like um, Le'Veon Bell, I mean, if he misses two or three games or whatever, it does misses two or three games at the front end, uh, he's still, you know, he's worth, worth the world to your fantasy team in that regards, and maybe you even get him at a little bit of drop in value in your auction too because some guys might be scared off by that. So, I don't know, he might yeah. be one of those buy low guys right now. Oh, I think that there definitely would be people that are scared off for sure. And if you're, you know, a little bit on the, you know, you're not scared of a little bit of risk, I think that he'd be a guy you could probably target for sure. You can definitely get some high upside wide receiver one uh, talent for, you know, low end wide receiver one prices, I, I would imagine in an auction. Yeah, it's one of those things to swing for the fence, right? Like, you know, do you finish sixth in your league or do you finish 12th in your league or do you finish first in your league, right? Well, so, and worst case scenario is he misses, at least I think worst case scenario is he misses four games and then he's back playing. So will it suck for those first four weeks? Yeah, you're probably going to miss yeah. him, but I mean, hopefully, you know, maybe you go two and two. Two and two, hopefully, I was going to say. Hopefully you go better than that. But, I mean, even if you go 2-2 two and two and he comes back, then, you know, you make the playoffs and he's integral to your deep playoff run. But um, but that, to me, is the worst-case scenario is he misses four games. I can't see him foregoing this year of, uh, of, I'm not sure what you want to call it, credited service to the NFL or eligibility, whatever you want to call it, uh, for lack of a better term. But, yeah, I can't see him missing more than that. And I think he's the type of guy, too, that if he walks in week two, like walks in to practice on Thursday, he starts Sunday and he tears it up. Like, I think he comes in in shape. Yeah. I think he comes in you know, just like he's gone through camp. Yeah, if he's smart, he would. I mean, I mean, the dude's still going to be 6'5 and, you know, whatever, 240 <laughs> well, pounds or whatever he is. So, And, yeah, if he's smart, he's still training, which I don't doubt he would be. He would know the playbook uh, for the most part. So, yeah, I would expect the same thing. Okay, so let's move on to another guy that I think we've discussed before, but um, let's bring him back up, the old muscle hamster. Doug Martin has been impressing coaches. So uh, taking off a Roto World will give them credit for this. Doug Martin is down to 210 pounds. Um, last year he was up at 225 and that playing at this lower weight should improve his his quickness. And after he struggled with some of his conditioning in 2014, I think the Bucs are pretty impressed with his slim down version coming into 2015. So they've been giving him first down or first team reps throughout the off season here. And uh, it looks right now like Doug Martin is set up as a as a sleeper right now. And in snake draft terms, he's at eighth round ADP right now. So, Slim, let's see, uh, buy or sell that Doug Martin is back, sorry, is the back to own in Tampa this year? Oh, I buy that. Um, I, I kind of wish that we'll stop right there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I kind of wish I'm actually looking for him right now on, uh, oh, and I can't find him. Maybe you can for me here while I what talk. I was just yeah. looking for his AAV right now. Um, oh, anyway. Okay, I can get that for Go ahead. Uh, um, so, um, I mean, I'll, I'll, get, I'll pull it up right there. 
Yeah, so should have what does he have here. in front of him? I, I know a lot of people are kind of, and maybe I just say a lot of people because I know you and, and Blister are higher, I would say, probably than most on Charles Sims, and I would say I'm definitely lower than you guys. Um, I just look at it, you know, Charles Sims isn't good, I don't think. <laughs> he, he averaged 2.8 okay. yards per carry last year. He averaged a crappy 1.4 yards after contact which is terrible for a running back. Um, I just think he doesn't have much in front of him. Uh, If Charles Sims couldn't outright win this job last year with how bad Doug Martin was and, you know, the injuries that he had and things, I, I don't trust him being any good. And that doesn't mean that Doug Martin is, uh, going to get back to, you know, high end RB one status but he's going to be a starting running back. And in five seconds when mm-hmm. Bex tells us what his AAV is. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to find seconds. your values right now. I have blisters that are up oh, on the website. Yours just don't have actually so, up, but blisters got them. I, I just updated his AAV today. Blister he's, has him at $11 right now. Yeah, I've got him at 10 Right now he's the RB36 taken in, in drafts. So you're getting a starting running back at $10, uh, somewhere around there. I'm going to buy that right now. If he's at the top of the depth chart, yeah, he's going to probably lose some carries. Charles Sims is going to get a few. Uh, even Bobby Rainey is probably going to get a few. He might come in on passing downs, but that's okay. I'm getting a running back for $10. He's probably going to be my RB3, RB4. Um, perfect. And you know what? If he finishes an RB2, he has outproduced his value by probably 10 to $15. So uh, I like, obviously, you know, we're going to hear a lot of good news from everybody. I mean, I was reading something today, and if you're not getting rave reviews in OTAs, <laughs> then there's something wrong with you. But um, I just look at what's there, and to me there's not much. So why can't Doug Martin be uh, a solid RB2 this year? Yeah, well, I mean, and I think at that value, right? You're right. If uh, you're only going to drop ten bucks on him, you could spend ten bucks on on handcuffs for some of your other running backs, right? So that's good value if mm-hmm. you can get him for that low. And um, you just hope that this hype doesn't drive that price up, right, before your draft. And and it's probably yeah, one of and those that could very well situation where. Where you roll, roll in and you lowball them to everybody that you talk to before you get in there, right? You, or you pump up Sims while you walk into the draft. Oh, man, that <laughs> Charles Sims, he sure looks good this year. Oh, right? did it's he ever just dominate in that second preseason game, didn't he? Holy <laughs> man, yeah. going to be a beast this year. And so that's probably yeah, you know, no, right. one of those things that you can do. Um, but you just hope that the hype doesn't drive stuff up. Well, and you know what? That's the dangerous thing on, uh, well, drafting later in the year, right? I mean, there's good, the prices are going to change for a lot of players, um, and you just hope that that people aren't seeing necessarily the same things that you are. Okay, let's move on to another item here. Let's take a look at Jimmy Graham and um, the possibility of maybe a production drop-off. But, uh, you know, in Seattle, they're looking at using him all over the field right now, just like he was using New Orleans. 
Um, the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks talks about how they like to move guys all over the field and all through different formations, and there's no reason why Jimmy Graham will be any different than that. And so on that note, if they're going to utilize him all over the field like New Orleans, then uh, slim buy or sell. Could we ex um, actually expect more fantasy production out of Jimmy Graham in Seattle? I'm going to sell that. Um, but I think it's close. I actually do, and I'm probably, like, I've kind of been saying this for a while. I don't expect the drop-off that a lot of people expect. Uh, I think that there will be some drop-off in terms of volume of catches, but I think that his touchdown potential is still exactly where it was in New Orleans and maybe even higher, um, just because of the type of offense that the Seahawks have. I mean... When you get in the red zone, Marshawn Lynch is, is one of the top guys to look for, and Russell Wilson scrambling is another guy. They don't ever, they've never really been a red zone threat through the air, and now they have this guy who's six seven. Um, I think that he it's just he he's gonna have carve out a pretty pretty sufficient niche in this offense, especially in the red zone. Um, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, double-digit touchdowns to me seems, I don't want to say easy, but I, I'm i fairly set to put it in Sharpie that he gets double-digit touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, I, I've never thought this move was going to be awful. Um, and to me, even an 80% Jimmy Graham of what we saw in some of those big years in New Orleans is still uh, tight end two. You know, yeah. quite easily. So, uh, to me, that's a good thing. And if I can, if I can take advantage of that in my drafts, whether it's getting him at a low value in an auction draft or making a trade with him in a dynasty draft or something, uh, where someone's low on him, I'm going to jump all over that. Well, and I just envision, just as you were talking there, uh, Russell Wilson setting up in the shotgun. You know, he's <laughs> riding the handoff, looking at the looking at the option. So that, and then he's rolling out, or then he looks like he's running, and who does yep. he have on a little... Floats one over the top. Narrow, yeah, exactly. A little, and I mean, how do you defend that, right? So you're going to have to hold a middle linebacker in to uh, sit on Lynch, and then, but you're going to have to declare something out of your um, edge player so that is he going to, is he setting the handoff, or is he pulling it? And then um, who's going to Jimmy Graham again? Is that the uh, the strong safety that's going to cover him in the flats? Yeah, the I mean, corner's going to no. play up on him. So what? What it? I mean, I was an offensive coordinator coordinator for a bad Canadian high school team, but uh, to <laughs> me that just. Uh, I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but. No, I get it, and I think that Seattle's coaching staff—they're not stupid. They're, uh, you know, oftentimes well, we. We've been to the Super Bowl twice in a row. It can't be that. Well, that's right, and and we uh, we as fantasy football fans, we oftentimes will look at some teams and say, oh, you know, we feel like this player has this certain skill set, and then certain teams maybe don't use them the way it seems like everybody uh, seems like they should be used. Well, I don't think Seattle's one of those teams. Um, I think they don't have lots of quality pass catchers. They're they're not gonna just let Jimmy Graham just run the same routes over and over from the same spots, they're going to move them, expose some mismatches. Yeah. Uh, they'd be stupid not to. And I, like I said, I don't think they are stupid. I think they will look to do these things. So 
um, yeah, I, I think he's going to have a uh, be just fine in Seattle. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's the biggest weapon that Russell Wilson's had in the passing game. And then you add that to, you know, um, a little bit of speed that they add in the draft and, and those types of things. And, I mean, it could open up the seam or, or they double them up in the seam. And it, I think there's a lot of things it's going to be able to do for that passing attack. And I think yeah. that teams coming in think that it, it's going to be just ground and pound uh, might be in for a little bit of surprise, especially now that you can pull the football and actually do something with it. Oh, no, I agree. I think this is something that if you've got to watch Jimmy Graham wherever he is, uh, let's face it, Marshawn Lynch is always a threat. Um, you always have to, you know, play them fair, even if it is obvious passing situation, you know, say it's third and ten, you still have to, uh, you know, keep some guys close to the line of scrimmage. And then you got Russell Wilson who can tuck it and run at any time. To me, it just spreads the defense out. A lot, and if you've got a lot of focus, say on Graham, wherever he is, that just opens up uh, at least half of the field, maybe two thirds of the field, depending on where they're running and what coverage they're playing. But um, yeah, I just think it's it's going to be uh, interesting to see how the Seattle offense kind of uh, evolves, I guess, into something different than what we're probably used to seeing. All right. Well, let's segue into. Uh, um something different and evolving. Let's take a look at the Detroit backfield. Um, so the Detroit Lions beat writers have been talking about this possibility of a one-two punch um, between the veteran Joyke Bell and the rookie Amir Abdullah in the Lions backfield. So the Bell could be that short yardage, maybe first, uh, second down type of a guy running in between the tackles, and Abdullah will be the guy taking on the passing down role. So slam buy or sell. Um, if everything goes the way it's supposed to go, will the old man keep the young buck at bay for the 2015 season? We're not looking at our dynasty leagues. Uh, no, in redraft, I I will say yes, but just barely. I I I'll. Huh. <laughs> wow, I got about a 50. Well, I'm not. You wrote it. You're not even decided on it. Um. No, because you know what? I uh, actually I just did my NFC North breakdown today, and I pumped Abdullah up quite a bit in there. Um, I look at it like Joyke Bell, and we talked about this last pod a little bit. We talked more about Bell, but uh, he's coming off Achilles surgery and knee surgery. He's 29 years old. Those are two things that don't aren't in the favor of running backs. Then they bring in this guy who is multifaceted, who can run between the tackles, who's excellent with the ball in space, who can catch the ball. To me, the only thing he's got to show is if he can pass protect. And if he can do that, then I look at it, why can't he be in the field for all three downs? If he shows that he's the most explosive athlete in the backfield, why can't he start carving into Bell's touches? And especially if Bell's already banged up, and I I know they expect him to be healthy to start the season, Mm-hmm. but part of this report came out because he wasn't healthy now and Abdullah was taking all these reps and was looking phenomenal apparently to all these beat writers. Um, so to me, it's just going to take one opportunity for Abdullah and I wouldn't be shocked if some point halfway through the season, all of a sudden he's getting you know 65% of the touches and Bell's now relegated to more of a backup role. 
I think that if you look by the end of the year, they're going to be fairly even in terms of touches, whether it's receptions and carries, you know, combine the two. I, I totally expect Abdullah to have more receptions. So to me, in a PPR league, he's more valuable than Joik. Yep. Um, but, you know, again, if you want a high upside RB3, uh, you can take Abdullah. And actually today, when I was mocking and updating my, my drafts, Abdullah now jumped Joyke Bell in terms of AAV and PPR leagues. This is the first time it's oh, happened that I've seen it. But they're right. I've got them RB26 and 27, but Abdullah's a dollar ahead of them at 18 bucks. So, again, this hype could keep pushing Abdullah up and Bell down, and who knows, maybe in, in August, late August, when a lot of us are drafting, maybe Joyke Bell's a great value and some things change. But uh, right now, it seems like this Abdullah hype train is catching some steam and you know, if you want this high upside guy, uh, you're probably going to want to get him ASAP in case this value gets out of hand. All right, good stuff. So um, let's move on quick here to some listener questions, Slim, and then we'll try to get at a little bit of rankings and values. My roomies okay. here are probably waiting to for me to shut the hell up so they can get to sleep so we can get to class in the morning, so we'll try to make her quick. Um, yep. So the first listener question, I think we've already answered, um, at B underscore Dreffel asks about uh, Dez's value with the holdout, and could he still be the wide receiver one, um, but hard to spend a lot on him, and I think we already spoke to that. Anything else you want to add there? Not really. I mean, yeah, obviously he could be the wide receiver one, but, I mean, if you're drafting tonight, then that sucks, but hopefully none of us are doing that. So you got a lot of time to wait and see. If you're drafting tonight and you're listening to our pod right now, then that's you're also odd too. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number two comes from, from at Shea Jake. Um, he's in a 12-team standard two-keeper league. Um, assuming most guys, most top guys are available because of just the two keepers. He has um, OBJ and Jonathan Stewart, and he has 190 bucks left. Uh, his question is, what type of strategy would you use from here? Uh, I would grab a high-end running back, like very high, someone like Adrian Peterson, yeah. and I would grab two stud receivers, and I would have be very happy with my team. I mean, if you got OBJ yeah. with, you know, for less than ten dollars as your wide receiver three, just based on price. I mean, right. I can go and spend, if I go and get Peterson for 60 and, you know, trying to think here, even if I got somebody like Julio Jones for 50 and Calvin Johnson for 50. So I've just spent now $120 if you count my, with a, and I have a five people, you know, five players. It still right. gives me a lot of money to go, and maybe I want to get Travis Kelsey for 20 or, you know, load up on some depth. I, to me, I think you just still, you go and you get some studs now. Like the most uh, safest, uh, highest producing guys that, that are on your board um, because you've got one of the biggest, most dynamic players who goes for over $50 for less than 10 And, you know, Jonathan Stewart is a guy who, yeah, you got him for cheap, um, but if he doesn't get injured this year, which is a big if, but with the time that he does play, he should be a solid RB2 for you. So, I mean, go get a real legit RB1 and, you know, a couple wide receiver ones to pair with Odell Beckham, and I think you're laughing. Tough to beat. Yeah, and 
Well, not just, I was going to say, assuming um, that there are still some high-end RB1s available, right? That's always the other thing with this keeper. If everyone's keeping well, two... He says, assume most keep... top guys are available. I mean, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd be trying to crush a, a high-end RB, RB1 for sure with that because you're wide receiver position. Lockdown, so I'd be willing to spend a little bit extra on, on the running back position uh, for that for that RB one, and then uh, and then I'd just be rolling wide receivers. Oh yeah, yeah, you already got a wide receiver one. I mean, quite right. honestly, even if you didn't get any more, you got one already. So get a running back, and then uh, go and grab you know Alshon Jeffrey and Calvin Johnson or something, guys with some upside. Um, that are good values right now. Yeah, you know, those are guys that you could target. I mean, you don't necessarily have to go and buy Antonio Brown to go with Odell Beckham. Maybe that's where you save 10 bucks is by getting, you know, like you said, Randall Cobb instead of Antonio Brown. Perfect. Okay. But then you can get another wide receiver one, and you all of a sudden got three. You got four studs all of a sudden anchoring this team, and you can just build depth at running back after that. Plug in a couple veteran wide receivers a little bit later, like Anquan Bolin as your wide receiver four. Good night. Not, yeah, not too shabby. All right, uh, um, third Twitter question for tonight, at uh, VBG17. He asks a, a trade question for a keeper league. So um, his question in here is, a, he says, $5 increase per year, and he has Mike Evans for $6. So what is he worth in a trade right now? Firstborn. I mean, <laughs> you've got a young guy like Mike Evans for five keeper bucks. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know if there's a set frame to keep him. It doesn't look like it. Just says it goes up five bucks every year. Well, to put that in context, he's going this year for thirty-eight dollars. So uh, you can keep him for about six years until he's, you know, living up to his value in 2015. Now, hopefully. In the future, in 2016 and 2017, Mike Evans' value goes from 38 to probably towards 50, maybe even yeah. higher. So, I mean, right now it looks like you've got Mike Evans at a discount for, you know, six to eight years. Uh, to me, you can trade him for virtually any player uh, in this league. So, I mean... Depending on what your team makeup is, how many keepers or other keepers you have, uh, maybe you look at selling him for a ton of pieces, or maybe you just look and hang on to him and, and ride this train out for the next five to eight years. And uh, hopefully he becomes the elite wide receiver that a lot of people are projecting, and he's an anchor for your team for a long time because you're going to have him at such a discount for so long that that's awesome for you. All right, good stuff. So those are some Twitter questions. If you have Twitter questions, you can hit us up at Fantasy Auction, or you can go to at FF Auction Advice, which is the community we're trying to set up for all things auction, where it's not just us answering questions and putting things out, but it's a, a whole community of people weighing in on different auction topics and information. So that's uh, at Fantasy Auction, which is our Twitter handle, or the community one at FF Auction Advice. So um, just to end things off here, Slim, you've 
updated your player ranks and your, um, as you mentioned, you've updated your auction values, which are both available on the website right now under the members area. You can take a look at the full range of player rankings and our aggregate average uh, uh, rankings there and also take a look at our average auction values that uh, Slim's been finding on the mocks and also the projected auction values that uh, Blister has been looking at uh, so far this offseason. So you can find that over at the website, thefantasyfootballauction.com. Take a look at the members area, 1495. It gets you all things auction. So if you're running an auction, uh, there's uh, just a ton of information out there. We have um, about a dozen articles that are out just for this season. We're working on finishing up one called the Auction Horseshoe, where we take a look at how guys move throughout a tier of nominations in your auction. So there's lots of things to look at that are auction only, and you can't, you're not going to find them any, anywhere else. You're not going to find just that one little article on auction. This is, uh, like I say, already in mid-July, well over a dozen auction-specific articles, as well as uh, hundreds and hundreds of auction values from each of the experts. So here's updated Slim, some of your things. And I really, just because we were talking a little bit about the Detroit backfield, I want to take a look at some of this running back stuff, and more in particular, we've been talking about some of that RB2 with Jonathan Stewart and the potentials in the Lions backfield. So I just quickly am scanning through your uh, current rankings, which you just updated as of July 13th, correct? Uh, rankings, yeah, okay, yep, yeah, I did. Rankings, yeah, okay, so that's what you got yeah. there. So we just want to take a look yeah. at, uh, at, at a couple of things. One thing that stands out to me right away is the C.J. Spiller ranking of, uh, of 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think mm-hmm. that not only is that high compared to the two of us, but probably high amongst uh, the rest of the fantasy football world. Talk to us a little bit about why you're so high on C.J. this year in PPR. Um, the biggest reason is obviously uh, they need to fill the void left by all these pass catchers that, that were gone uh, from the Saints offense. And to me, he comes in. Uh, Sean Payton is going to use him effectively, I think probably for the first time in his career. Uh, CJ Spiller is not a between-the-tackles runner. He's going to be put into space. He's going to be given the ball in passing situations. He might even line up as a wide receiver at times. Um, so in a PPR league, to me, he has tons of value. Uh, if he catches 60 to 70 passes this year, which isn't out of the question, I don't think, based on what Darren Sproles used to do when he was in that offense, um, you know, even if he catches 50 passes, then to me, he is an elite or I shouldn't say elite because he's not going to be as an as a RB1, but he is a very, very solid RB2 for you in a PPR league. So um, your latest AAV on CJ Spiller is $23 right now. Are mm-hmm. you buying or selling him at 23 bucks right now? Buying. I got him for less than that today in a mock, and I couldn't believe it because during the chat we were talking – uh, some guy couldn't believe that Drew Brees went for only $17, and a couple of people, myself included, were talking about why that was such a big deal and blah, 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 and this guy was talking about how it was going to be so awesome in New Orleans with C.J. Spiller there to catch passes, and Brandon Cooks was going to be a target machine, and then I get uh, C.J. Spiller for like less than 20 bucks. So uh, couldn't figure it out, but 
Uh, yeah, no, in PPR leagues, I am buying him uh, wherever I can, quite honestly. Well, I just think that that's, yeah, it's a little bit of anomaly as far as the ranking goes, so it's an interesting interesting mm -hmm. conversation. Um, also looking through at some of the rankings here as well, um, I thought interesting uh, Alfred Morris in a PPR as a top 20 back. Uh, what's going on there? Um, no worry about Matt Jones in the backfield? Not really yet. I mean, let's face it, Matt, Alfred Morris, yeah, he doesn't catch tons of passes, but he he's going to get all the goal line carries, uh, and he does so much on the ground that just because he doesn't catch passes doesn't mean he can't be, uh, you know, a very strong running back in PPR leagues. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is an elite running back that doesn't necessarily catch a ton of passes. Um just because he does so much running the ball. And Alfred Morris is the same to me. Um, you know, is he as high as he should be in non-PPR leagues? Probably not. But, I mean, is he still RB2? Yeah, I think he still is. Um, just a low-end RB2, that's all. Okay, and then another one I was looking at here, just um, comparing what you're seeing right now in the mocks as opposed to your rankings. Taking a look at the Cleveland backfield, um, Duke Johnson yeah. right now is an AAV of 15 and Isaiah Crowell at uh, um, at 6. But if we look at your at your rankings, you've got uh, Isaiah Crowell all the way down at RB42. Um, mm -hmm. And that's hater territory. Um, like un, almost unstartable, maybe a mid-range flex if you're really, really dying out there. Um, why so much love for Duke and not for Crowell? Uh, I think a lot of it comes with what I anticipate from this Cleveland team. Uh, yeah, they're going to probably run the ball a fair amount, for sure in the first half, until they're down by about 20 points, and then, then what happens? Um, I think then Duke Johnson comes in. It's, is he a between-the-tackles runner? No. To me, he's never going to be that. He's going to be a strictly PPR running back, uh, uh, get the ball in space type guy, but with this passing game, they don't really have much at receiver. They're going to be losing all the time. Uh, so to me, Duke Johnson gets on the field a lot. And if you're playing defense against the Cleveland Browns offense, what's the first thing you're going to take away? You're going to try and take away the run game. So to me, Isaiah Crowell is going to have his work cut off for him on the on the ground. I don't I don't see him putting up huge games. Uh, I think he'll be tough for him to break 100 yards uh, any given week. Uh, I don't see lots of goal line opportunities for Crowell. And to me, Duke Johnson is just the more explosive athlete. So if he's catching the ball in space, he's going to be allowed to hopefully you know, make a guy miss and pick up yards that way instead of trying to churn out tough yards against eight- and nine-man boxes uh, in between the tackles. So in a PPR league, to me, Duke Johnson is the guy you want to own. Uh, you know, even in a non-PPR league, I think they're both very close. So, and to me, Terrence West, he's the guy, you know, you don't want to own at all unless you're going very deep um, just because I think he's the least talented of the other two guys ahead of him. Okay, and then another guy I think that strikes me as um, uh, different in your rankings versus what's going on in the mocks right now, and that's what I think is kind of interesting is, you know, the mocks don't always talk about what the rankings are. It's just what the values are. It's kind of like that mm -hmm. ADP, right? So 
Um, taking a look at Joseph Randall right now, you have him outside yeah. of your RB2 as a, um, the 25th running back overall. Is that just because you don't trust the backfield yet? I mean, he, in in the mocks right now, he's going for 26 bucks, which is uh, Frank Gore, Mark Ingram, uh, even Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller area. Yeah, I'm not 100% sold yet. Um, I mean, just because he's wearing a Cowboys uniform to me doesn't guarantee him to be, you know, a high-end RB2. Uh, Darren McFadden is still there, even though if the wind blows too strong and on any given day he could get injured. Um, yeah. But he's going to be there to take carries. I think he was brought in to be the backup running back and, you know, to spell whoever they envisioned as their starter. Um, so he's going to lose some touches to him. And I still, you know, will he climb up? Yeah, probably as the season goes. I mean, uh, or it gets near. There's still a chance, you know, that Randall could do something stupid, and there's still a chance that Dallas could bring somebody in. I mean, there's still some free agents that are out there. Um, so, uh, you know, to me, he's a he's he's an RB2 or very close to that. He's right in the mix with a lot of other guys. Um, it's just, can he, you know, get up there? Uh, I, I just don't know how consistently he's going to be used to. I, I can see him having some big weeks, and I can see him kind of um, falling back a little bit uh, some certain weeks too. Just because, you know, just because this offensive line's a road grader, you still have to be a talented running back to, you know, be in, in the midst of some of these RB1s that we have. So I, I don't think he's that talented. I think he's the best they have, but... Um, to me, that doesn't necessarily guarantee him this elite status yet. Okay, and then I'm just looking at your at your mock values here, your AAVs. That um, I mean, you you mock today on July 14th. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the current values that you're seeing out there. I think this RB2 area is pretty interesting to look at. I guess if we look at from, yeah, and there, there's a definite a definite shift, right, when we get outside of the Arian Foster range, mm -hmm. which uh, you have at $48, all of a sudden then that $40 to $23, let's say, there's a pretty wide range of guys here, that, um, and I'll just quickly go through them, um, starting at the $40 range, and I'll just throw my way down to $23 in, in that kind of order, CJ Anderson, Jeremy Hill, Melvin Gordon, Alfred Morris, Carlos Hyde, Justin Forsett, Mark Ingram, Frank Gore, Joseph Randall, Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller, Andre Ellington, um, CJ Spiller, and Latavius Murray. And then just outside of that is uh, Jonathan Stewart and Giovanni Bernard. So if we look at that uh, range of RB10 as far as the, um, AAV down to RB25, Pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. What are a couple of real big values in there that you're seeing outside of C.J. Spiller? Because we know um, the man crush. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So other than Spiller, I mean, I look at Frank Gore in PPR leagues, and he's going oftentimes for less than $25. Uh, yeah, it was the RB17 you know, as far as value goes, auction value. For me, to me, he easily outproduces RB17. I think he gets closer to RB, you know, 14, RB 13, even in PPR leagues. So, to me, he's a value there. Um, you know, Justin Forsett to me is a guy who could easily be an RB one again this year, and he's he's the RB 15. So to me, he's also a value. Uh, and you know, 
C.G. Anderson, who's at the top. Uh, for me, he's a guy who could finish as a top five running back this year, and he's being taken as the RB10. It's still an RB1, but it is a considerable drop. You know, we see our RB9 as Arian Foster, who goes for about $48, and then it's a big drop to C.J. Anderson and Jeremy Hill and the likes of that. And what you see, I think, is a lot, it's a lot of personal preference in this group, uh, who mm -hmm. you like. Um, and that makes sense. I mean, we've seen that a lot in the past with, say, the kind of the wide receiver three territory. Uh, guys that go for around twenty dollars, fifteen to twenty dollars. It's who you like. If just because you know there might be a guy whose average price is fourteen, but if you like him, you're willing to spend you know close to twenty bucks to get him. And th to me, there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, if you really like Lamar Miller in this group, and he's at twenty four, and you want to spend close to thirty to get him, well, go ahead and get him. Uh, that's okay. Speaking of that, he's another guy who's a value. I think he could touch, uh, yeah, you know, borderline, borderline late RB one. Uh, scoring in PPR leagues, and he's going for at RB20 at $24. So uh, if you're looking at waiting at running back, to me it's a strategy you might want to look at. Um, you know, maybe I guess you could call it almost RB0 because there are so right, many. Here, but, you, know, about, yeah. you know, you take some of these, you know, lower $20 running backs, well, you could get three of those guys pretty much for the price of Adrian Peterson. So... Um, you know, how do you feel about having, you know, C.J. Spiller, Jonathan Stewart, and Lamar Miller as your starting running backs or versus Adrian Peterson? So it's something to think about going into your draft. There's a lot of good depth, I feel like, in this kind of bottom RB2 category. So uh, even top-end RB3, someone like LeGarrette Blunt for $17 to me, he could very easily be a solid RB2 uh, this year. So... And he's being taken outside of that right now. So, I mean, I, to me, there's lots of values in this range right now. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I personally don't think it's going to change much because there's mm -hmm. just so many people there. And a lot of guys are spending uh, not necessarily huge money, but they're spending money on wide receivers because there's a lot of them to pick from. Um And they're able to fill their teams with them. So it leaves these guys, they often get uh, nominated quite a bit later in drafts. And uh, a lot of people are out of money. So you get, there's a handful of these guys in every draft that go for considerably less than their AAV from what I've been seeing so far. Well, I just, I think to myself, that does make me want to, you know, if I'm drafting tonight, look at jumping into that top tier of wide receivers because I know I can save a little bit of cash on that mid to low end RB2 as far as AAV goes. But then I also just, the thought what came into my head like people are going to see this right you would think that people that are listening to this podcast are, are going to see this and that uh, more and more people are going to see entering into your draft that hey there's value in that RB2 range and mm -hmm. so is that going to drive the price of wide receivers up even more or on the counter that is that going to drive the price of this tier up even more because everyone's well, going to want a piece of it that's interesting because I was thinking about this today actually when I was crunching the numbers and um, what I actually want to do is and I actually was taking screenshots as I was drafting um, I want to see and hopefully maybe I'll have it even for next week I want to find that there's got to be a tipping point where right. you can recognize and say you know what a certain percentage of the total money in the whole draft has been spent 
or a certain number of players have been bought, how much has been spent, if it's over X amount of dollars, you know that there's going to be these values coming up and it, you should be able to plot it almost uh, every couple rounds as you as you nominate to say, okay, I know that this much money, either I'm right on track and I keep, you know, I can't expect much swings or if you're way under, and you can do this, this has been done in the past, but I want to try and do it for actually just this year's draft where I can say after, say, first four rounds, I should be able to know roughly how much money should have been spent uh, based on the players that are nominated. I mean, it, does it change if everybody's nominating RB3s and not the RB1s that typically get nominated early in drafts? Well, yeah, that can change things, but um, if you know which players are nominated, then hopefully you should have know roughly how much money should be spent. If it's way above, if there's been way more money spent than there should have been, then to me that says, all right, I'm going to wait and draft. There's going to be tons of values for me later. If there's a lot less money spent, then you think, all right, I got to start licking up some of these elite options that are out there right now because people are obviously sitting on their wallets waiting for these values later and it's saying if everybody thinks it's a value, it's not a value. You're going to get into a bidding war for this guy. So go ahead and take those last RB1s that are left on the board or last wide receiver ones that are on the board and let everyone else then get into these bidding wars over all these RB2s and wide receiver 2s and 3s. Okay, well, and I think that that'll be interesting as we put together that article on the auction horseshoe um, and put that out. It kind of speaks to that about how the tiers are going to move and work. I just... It's uh, about right now just kind of seeing those breaks early mm -hmm. here in these early mocks and early values, and that seems like a real natural break. There's that uh, 11 or 12 um, running backs that sit in a zone that, you know, are guys that you could really target and could fall into some pretty good value but have that wide receiver one upside, or sorry, running back one upside that you're always looking for, right? High for floor, sure. high ceiling. So um, as we put that article together, that'll be hopefully be posted here in the next few days, and uh, guys can have a look at that. So I'm going to let the, the roomies actually get some sleep here. Um, yep. They're going to unsubscribe from the podcast because it keeps them up at night and makes them fail courses. And so, you can't anyways, fail this um, course. <laughs> well, you could. You could. <laughs> you get unsatisfactory, but... Uh, um, I don't think that that'd be a problem around here. It's been a lot of homework being done, actually. It's uh, wow. It's a it's a whole different uh, the different, maturity different level. Yeah. No, it's so good. Hey? Anyways, uh, so hopefully next week we'll well next week we might not be potting. No. If everything probably. works out with the golf stuff, we probably won't pod next week. So it won't be again for another couple of weeks, and by that time. There'll be more articles on the website. We'll have uh, some more accurate AAVs and projected auction val values from the guys, updated player rankings and all that goodness. So head on over to the website, thefantasyfootballauction.com, and check out everything we have over there. If uh, you're looking to um, support us, you can pick up a membership to the subscription site. It's going to give you all types of specific stuff just for auction. If you're like some of the people I've been hanging out with the last couple of weeks, a cheap teacher, and you don't want to drop the $15 or $14.95, head on over to iTunes. You can support us there too. Give us a, give us a ranking. Give us a, um, a little bit of feedback. Not only does it help us make the podcast a little bit better, but it helps to move 
the world of auction up as well. Um, that's about all I got tonight. I know you guys made fun of me a couple weeks ago saying, is there anything else you want to add? So is there anything else you want to add? No. No? Okay. Good. There's nothing else I want to add either except for... Good. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that's all I want to do. Hopefully we're going to hear some good stories from Blister uh, in Vegas, even though I think he's just traveling with his wife, so there can't be that many like really fun stories. <laughs> and uh, again, if anyone out there in Minnesota has got uh, some golfing connections, we're looking for 14 guys to swing the, swing the sticks, and we'll have some good stories from that. I don't know how many we'll be able to share on the air. Hashtag barf on the door, hashtag TP. Um, socks for TP um, and where's Drombolis? Um anyways that's a whole nother uh, hashtag between two trees so anyways uh, the stuff that we were, had floating around going on Twitter so um, Slim I guess uh, maybe I'll, no, I might see you on the weekend I don't even see you anymore I only see you on the air it's like we live in completely different time zones even though uh, we're we do right now. blocks away from each other yeah. and uh, Blister if you're listening out there we'll see you at the golf trip and for the rest of you, we'll see you when it's springtime in the Rockies. <laughs>